Hello, everybody. This is Peter Goldstein, and I am so glad that you could join us today. And excuse me for a second. I'm just checking. There seems to be some uh, disconnects, but it looks like we're, we are on YouTube. Um, our Facebook connection is, is off. Um, anyways, let's get started. I'm Peter Goldstein, founder and chief synergy officer for We Did It. And our vision at We Did It is to help create a healthy, happy, well-fed vegan world. Our unique role is to empower people like yourself, the vegan and plant-based consumers and enthusiasts to become more effective ambassadors. Imagine as an ambassador being able to confidently open more doors and plant more seeds with whatever situation comes your way through your day. Our work consists of three pillars. First pillar is about interpersonal communication skills so we can feel better and more confident, uh, so we can listen and open more doors. And today's uh, presentation is uh, part of this first pillar, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it in a second. Our second pillar is about resource curation, so to be able to package and and bring to you easily have available the most appropriate resources for whatever situation comes your way. Our third, third component, our third pillar is about community. So together we can support each other and learn from the experts to be more effective ambassadors. I hope you will enjoy this conversation today. We have Dr. Angela Crawford, a psychologist who created our ebook. Hopefully you've, you've read it and seen it and, and is the work behind our certification program that Dr. Angela, uh, Dr. Sally Lipsky put together so brilliantly and uh, is available and teachable. Uh, and Angela will tell you so much more about herself and her work, and I am so pleased to have her be part of our work and to see her presentation today. So please follow us on Facebook and, and uh, YouTube channel. And in case you haven't yet completed the simple one question survey at wedidit.health, it is there to help show the world what impact vegan and whole food plant-based people have on our health, on the environment, and on the planet. So with that, I'd like to bring uh, Dr. Crawford on and to help us kick off this month. Our month theme this month is about healing relationships. And I am so excited that she's with us to kick off this month's theme and stay tuned for so many more exciting talks every Saturday at 12 o'clock Eastern and the workshops and uh, that we'll have through the through the month. So uh, with that, welcome, Angela. Uh, thank you, I'm so glad to be here. And um, this, this topic is so important because so often as vegans, we do experience challenges in our relationships. So this whole month, we're gonna have some great talks about it and workshops. Um, so I'm honored to be here on this first keynote of the year. So yay. <laughs> well, and we're so glad you're you're with us and so appreciate all your contribution to to this work and, and to everything else you've done. You've been a, a psychotherapist, a psychologist uh, for, uh, for decades now, and I know you've helped change so many lives. 
Okay. So well, I'm excited to get started. So. And. There we go. There's your slides. Yeah. So let's see if I can. Yep, I can click on them. Good. Oops. All right. Let's let's get this. I was. Perfect. There it is. Yes. <laughs> Looks good. Okay. Well. Well. Thank you. So. I will go ahead and get started. Um, the topic is, a, you know, for really the whole month is about healing relationships. And I'm going to open with some, some thoughts and some mindsets that we can shift into to help with that. But obviously, I don't have all the answers. I wish I did. But um, I'll lay some frameworks that help us to start to think about how we can heal our relationships and know that that is actually a continued topic for this month that we'll continue with other presentations on the other Saturdays. So as you think about this, you know, what we're going to cover today are common relationship challenges that vegans experience. We'll touch back on the importance of healthy relationships for thriving and inspiring as vegans, as plant-based eaters. We'll touch on three key mindset shifts for healthier relationships. And we'll also talk about conflict resolution and skills that help us to heal our relationships. First, a little bit about my background. Some of you may know me from other presentations and other things that we've met um, through this community. But I've been a psychologist for 25 years and predominantly worked with individual and group psychotherapy, helping people with stress, with trauma, with health issues, um, healing relationships, healing anxiety and depression. And about 16 years ago, I became vegetarian. It was for ethical reasons. I first learned about workers in meat processing plants and the terrible conditions they worked in. And in learning about that, that made me start to think about the animals and the whole process that brought my food to me. And as I learned more, I just knew I didn't want to support that anymore. And then I learned about the health benefits of being vegetarian and vegan and um, plant-based. And that was amazing because I have a family history of heart disease. Four years ago, I knew it was time to go deeper with my commitment and I went fully vegan. And it wasn't just for me at that point. It was, you know, yes for my health, yes to honor my values, but also because I really saw how our planet is, you know, under such attack from, you know, how we treat the environment. And I just saw the cruelty to animals that's just unspeakable with the amount of factory farming and other animal agriculture types of things. And then, you know, also the impact on human health and mental health. And I knew I just really needed to make a difference with this, that this was just so important on every level. So I got certifications through Main Street Vegan Academy as a master vegan coach and educator. And I also took the T. Colin Campbell course. I've become certified as a transformational coach as well. And I'm in a transition from being a psychotherapist to really focusing my efforts towards helping those who are vegan or wanting to go vegan to transform their lives, to thrive emotionally and to express their authentic voice and purpose. 
Um, as Peter mentioned, I am the author of the ebook that if you're part of this community, you've probably seen called Seven Best Practices to Inspire Your Loved Ones to Go Plant-Based. And I'm working on a book about the transformative impact of a vegan lifestyle on mind, body, and spirit. So as we think about this theme of healing relationships, it's really interesting because, you know, many of us find that being vegan or plant-based is one of the most transformative and empowering decisions we've ever made. You know, time and time again, when I talk to vegans, whether through my research, through coaching, through just conversations, so many of us agree that it's the best decision we ever made. Finally, we're living aligned with our values of compassion, of justice, of kindness, of sustainability. We're making a positive difference for the planet. And it's, there's sort of an awakening that goes with becoming plant-based or vegan where we realize connections that we hadn't really seen before, the impact of our choices. And there's you know, a freedom and you know, an empowerment that comes with that. And, and we're also taking charge of our physical and mental health. So all these things are so positive, and yet at the same time, many of us are experiencing relationship conflicts because we're living a lifestyle that counters the narrative of our culture that views meat eating as natural, normal, and necessary. What Melanie Joy calls the three ends of justification. And by that, she means the justification of you know, why we eat meat, even though most of us are compassionate human beings that don't want to harm others. So as you think about the relationship challenges that vegans can face and plant-based eaters can face, these are just a few examples and see if any of them are ones that you relate to. First of all, simply handling social gatherings and shared meals and holidays with um, those who are not vegan can lead to stress and conflict and tension. Whether it's that we feel stressed because we're around meat products and we now really realize, you know, the journey that happens to cause that to come into being and the pain and suffering that's inflicted on animals. Or we're worried about our loved one's health and see them making choices that we know aren't healthy or perhaps the people around us aren't supportive of our choices and they you know, try to convince us we should eat the way they do and that we're not gonna get their concern that we're not getting enough protein. you know. And so all this stress and conflict that can happen just from a meal. And so many of our traditions and our connections with others do relate to what we eat. So this can certainly be a source of stress and tension for us. We may also find many people share that they're the only vegan in their network. They don't have anyone close to them that's vegan. And so they feel isolated and, and unsupported. Here they found this new way of living that is the most important choice they've made and is affecting so many things so positively, yet no one else is getting it. And that can lead to just feeling really demoralized and frustrated if others aren't seeing, you know, what you've come to see about the impact of animal agriculture on animals and the planet and even human health. And so in our passion, we also may become pushy or judgmental or frustrated in how we share our vegan values and vegan views and others may, you know, be turned off by our approach if we're too too frustrated in how we express ourselves. 
And last of all, you know, sometimes it's just simply being vegan can cause others to be defensive because underneath there is that cognitive dissonance of knowing that, you know, we're compassionate human beings, but eating animals, you know, certainly causes harm to them. So often people do have a certain amount of defensiveness around us, even if we're not saying anything at all, just simply because we are being plant-based or vegan. And that can cause stress too in relationships. <clears throat> so as you're thinking about all these different ways that vegans face stress in their relationships, I do want to mention one other thing that I'm only going to touch on briefly because it's beyond the scope of today's presentation, but some vegans also face you know, vicarious trauma, something called secondary traumatic stress, which is basically when you witness something that is very harmful or violent and it causes sort of a form of vicarious trauma to you. Not all vegans experience this, but some do, especially um, it's especially risky for activists where they witness, you know, animal suffering on, you know, such a scope. And so I bring this up just because some people in the audience may experience this and this can affect relationships as well. And, and just, you need to be aware of it, you know, whether you or someone you care about that's a vegan might be going through this. And some of the symptoms of secondary stress are similar to post-traumatic stress, intrusive thoughts or images about the suffering or cruelty to animals, um, sleep trouble, concentration difficulties, anxiety, depression, and some additional symptoms that are sort of more specific to this type of trauma can be misanthropy, where you really feel a hatred or dislike of the human species because of what they do um, to animals. There can be a sense that nothing I do is ever enough. And because of that, an inability to relax or allow self-care. So this is just important for today's talk to mention, just because it, it, this is another contributor to relationship stress that vegans may experience, and it affects our thoughts, our behaviors, our perceptions. So it's important that this be addressed if this is something you might be dealing with. And I mentioned, I'll mention some more resources at the very end of this talk, but a couple of immediate resources for if you're having secondary stress related to your vegan advocacy or you know, seeing these images of animal suffering. One is Beyond Beliefs by Melanie Joy, where she touches on this. And also another book called Vistopia by Claire Mann. She's a vegan psychologist in Australia who has coined the term dystopia to ca characterize sort of the trauma and an existential crisis that vegans can go through when they learn the truth about animal agriculture. So as we think about healing our relationships, it's important to mention why relationships do matter so much. Because even if we do feel frustrated with the human race and the choices that humans make sometimes, or we feel frustrated with certain others in our life, we are really wired to need connection. It's not really so much a choice if we want to thrive as human beings. We, we really do need healthy connections. And relationships are a source of our greatest fulfillment and also our greatest stress sometimes. Um, research has really shown that 
loneliness and isolation can cause as much risk to our health and our longevity as actually cigarette smoking, which is really amazing to think about how, how detrimental loneliness and isolation can be for human health and mental health. And, you know, studies have shown that really we have been dependent on our social connections to survive, you know, for millennia. So this is just really wired into our very being. Interestingly, too, you know, research shows that when we have relationship breakdowns, um, it actually affects the part of our brain that processes physical pain. So it actually can cause real a real sense of pain. And you may have experienced that when there's, you know, some kind of conflict or breakdown in a, a relationship that you care about. As vegans too, it's especially important that we work on our relationships because one of the most common reasons that former vegans give for not staying vegan is these very kind of social challenges and feeling like left out or not part of a social connection. That can be one of the common reasons that people don't stick to a plant-based or vegan lifestyle. And if we want to inspire a vegan world, we really need healthy relational skills. There's just no getting around that. I'm gonna to touch on three key mindsets for healthy communication, and I will dive into each of these in a little more depth, but first just to mention them all together right here. Um, first, to be intentional. Often we interact without thinking a lot about what we really want from the communication. And so to really slow things down, to bring mindfulness, to bring awareness to what you really want for that communication, that conversation or that relationship can make a world of difference. And once you know what you want to create in that relationship, being assertive in your approach, we'll dive into that in more depth shortly, but speaking up in ways that are respectful for yourself and the other person. And last of all, being relational. And what I mean by that is often the relationship or the process and how we speak has a lot more impact than we realize and even more so than actually the words that, that we say. I know when I first became a therapist, and I was anxious sometimes in the very early stages of, you know, being a therapist, how would I help people? And I remember a really wise mentor told me, you know, the relationship actually matters more than what you do. If you're ever not sure what to do, focus on having a good relationship with that client, because that's the foundation for any technique you would use, any words you would say. If you don't have that basic relationship, you know, that sense of trust and connection Often what you say doesn't really have much impact, but if you have that basic foundation, you have a much greater impact, you know, on that communication or that relationship. So that has always made a world of difference for me, not only in my work as a therapist, but when I remind myself of that in my relationships as well. So we'll start with the first one, being intentional. And I talked about this a bit in the talk I did back in October, um, where I talked about keys to healthy relationship and creating a safe space for, for communication, speaking from the heart. And a book that I drew on a lot in that talk was Crucial Conversations. And I'm referencing it here because it really is a helpful 
reminder for how you start a communication or how you break through a stuck place that you might be having in a relationship. And so it's coming inward and really thinking about what is my intention for this conversation? What do I really want to achieve here for myself, for the other person, for the relationship? What are my, my desires for these three different areas? And then how do I communicate to best achieve this? And I invite you, if this is a relationship where you, you know, think about a relationship maybe that you are having challenges, whether it is around veganism, whether it's around something else, and you just keep having these recurrent problems that keep coming up again and again, slow down, take some time to even journal about it, getting in touch with what you really want for yourself in connection to this person. What do you want for them? And what do you want for the relationship? Because as you take the time to connect with this, it will help you when you actually have the conversation to speak from the heart and in a way that is actually going to have more impact, you know, versus just kind of being reactive, which often we are, especially under stress. And as you're being aware of your intention, also be mindful of any hidden agendas you might have that aren't so healthy or aren't so helpful. And let me share a little bit by what I mean by that. A healthy intention can include some of the following that are underneath. For example, wanting to share the truth of our experience and have someone understand wanting to reach mutual understanding so that we sort of have a sense of where each other are coming from. Wanting to increase a sense of connection and safety for both people in the relationship. And we'll touch more on that further on in the talk, but connection and safety are shown to be really key for any relationship to thrive. And maybe another healthy intention would be that we reach some kind of shared agreement you know, maybe there, we have a difference of opinion on a certain area that just keeps coming up again and again. Well, what's an agreement we can come to that is safe for both of us? Some examples of not so healthy agendas that often we're not really conscious of, but can really be there under the surface. And it'll come out in your tone of voice or if you're trying to prove your point and not really listening you know, unhealthy agendas can be to win, to prove we're right or superior, to coerce change or to try to shame someone into changing. And of course, you know, the other person may have unhealthy agendas too. We may be on the receiving end of this and we know we, know we usually don't like it when that's happening. But again, we can only change ourselves. So as we bring, as we say on our side of the street and change our approach, it can have an impact on the other person. And that'll come up again and again in, in the tips that I'm sharing here today, starting with ourselves and how we approach things, you know, can have an impact on how the dialogue unfolds. And it's worth touching on why contempt and shame are so important to not foster in a, in a relationship, in a dialogue. You know, there's, there's, a con, there's an idea in the vegan community sometimes when we first become vegan that like, if we can shame someone, make them feel bad about not being vegan, maybe they will change. 
And I recently took a course um, from the Center of Effective Vegan Advocacy by Melanie Joy um, about the science of effective vegan advocacy. And one of the things she has really found in reviewing the science of behavior changes, and I've certainly read this from other sources as well, is shame makes us shut down. It doesn't actually make us change. It doesn't make us grow. It doesn't make us listen. You know, shame is the worst feeling possible. So we do everything possible as human beings to not feel that. So to give a little definition here, contempt is when we relate to another person as if we're superior in some way and they're inferior or less worthy. We may not consciously do that, but again, it comes off in things like tone of voice, um, you know, the words we use, our body language. And we've certainly probably all been on the receiving end of that. And it's just, it, it never fosters relationship or change. It just fosters disconnect. So it can be easy to fall into that as a way of when we're stressed ourselves, you know, when we're wanting someone to change, but just being mindful when we're starting to talk that way, or if someone's talking that way to us, that it's a time to step back and, and regroup because that's not going to lead to a healthy direction in, in the relationship or in the conversation. And so shame is defined as feeling unworthy or bad as a human being. And sometimes what happens, you know, is just we may not necessarily feel that we're unworthy or bad, but we get a sense that someone's trying to make us feel that way. And that makes us shut down. You know, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is when, you know, we genuinely connect with something we did that we feel not good about, and we can usually correct it. But shame is more of a global feeling of just like, I'm not okay. And, and it's one of the most painful things that we can experience and that we as human beings try in every way to avoid. So when people feel under attack or they're treated with contempt, they tend to go into fight or flight or freeze mode. It's a protective mode. You know, as human beings, we've learned to do that. You know, we have our defenses, our ways that we protect ourselves. And when we're in fight or flight mode, our wise brain and emotional intelligence aren't working. They're just not online. So therefore it's really hard to have a fruitful conversation when one or both of us are in that. And it tends to be contagious. If one of us is triggered, we often will trigger the other person just by the way we're communicating. So just realizing, you know, when either of us are in this, it's not going to lead to a helpful communication. And so it's really important to kind of step back you know, maybe even name what's happening. I think, you know, one or both of us are kind of feeling triggered right now. Maybe we need to take a step back, you know, until we're feeling calmer and continue the conversation at that time. Because wait for our emotional brain, our wise brain to get back online. Now, part of how we create <clears throat> communication that isn't shaming, that is not contemptuous, is to be assertive rather than aggressive. Assertive is when we speak up in a way that is respectful to ourselves and the other person. So keep in mind, you know, there's three basic approaches that we can take when we're communicating about something. One is to be passive which could be to not speak up at all or to be very indirect. One 
is to be aggressive, you know, which can vary in terms of intensity. Um, for example, there's verbal aggression and then there's physical aggression. Um, but aggressive is basically when we're sort of being hostile or angry in our tone of voice, in our wording, attacking in our wording or our body language. And aggression, you know, again, it triggers that fight or flight in the other person. You know, generally they're going to either fight back or withdraw, you know, and it's not generally going to be uh, a communication that leads to anything meaningful. Being assertive, on the other hand, it's not being a wimp. It's not shutting down. But it's also not being aggressive. It's being respectful, you know, so it might be speaking up for your needs and your boundaries. It's being clear and direct. It's being mindful of your tone and body language so that you're creating, you know, again, what I had talked about in October, that safe space for a healthy dialogue where the other person knows that there's safe space for them to speak and not be attacked. And, and you also can feel that as well. You know, you can request that. Um, as part of being assertive, I think it's important to note too, we need to differentiate what we need and what we want. And some of the things that we want, we might want the other person to become vegan. They're not ours to really decide. You know, so thinking about changes that we, we can ask for that are reasonable changes can be things like asking them to be an ally to your plant-based lifestyle, to learn more about veganism so they can support you, um, to be respectful of your choices, to have shared agreements in your household about where, you know, food is stored and how it's, how meals progress. So there's, there's a lot of choices that we do have, you know, that we can request from the other person that, that are respectful of ourselves and the other person. So again, it's thinking about those healthy agendas, you know, what can we ask for that, you know, that would impact the relationship in a positive way. You know, you can share that I, I would love it if you'd become vegan. But again, you have to step back. That's really a choice the other person has to make because they're the one that would have to live that lifestyle. And um, they may not be ready for that, but it, perhaps they're ready to be a supporter of you if, they, if you ask them in a respectful way. And maybe they're willing to try more plant-based meals. So, so think about what you want and need and ask about it in ways that are clear and direct and respectful. <clears throat> and so I mentioned earlier in the being relational that often the process of how we communicate matters more than actually even what we say. And, you know, often we, we fear conflict and we wanna avoid conflict, but I've been reminded again and again in my work as a therapist and in my life as a human being that conflict is actually normal and inevitable in our relationships. We're not clones of each other. We have different views. We have different personalities. We have different backgrounds. So certainly some degree of conflict can be very normal um, in any relationship, even a healthy one. And what differenti differentiates a healthy relationship is that they deal with conflict skillfully. So it's not that they don't have relationships. They just are able to work through them in ways that are mutually respectful. So for example, 
they can talk about differing beliefs and needs in ways that doesn't attack the other person for wanting and needing something different or believing something different, but can be curious to understand the other person's point of view. And, you know, I just was listening to a talk just earlier today on conflict resolution. And one of the things the speaker said was um, get curious rather than furious. And that's a great line to think about because um, I can't remember the doctor's name right now, but um, it was, I thought, a great um, reminder to us that when we're in the part of our brain that's curious to understand the other person's feelings and point of view, it opens up communication. It gets us out of fight or flight mode to where actually meaningful understanding and change can happen where we can come to some kind of agreement or workable way of, you know, co coexisting that um, can lead to connection. So um, connection, you know, is when we feel heard, respected, valued, and safe. So we're really trying to have that be part of the agenda. Crucial Conversations, you know, has a quote in it, when it's safe, you can say anything. And the idea that they find is that when you feel safe with another person and you both are feeling safe with one another, that you each have each other's back, you're both supporting one another, you can say even the most difficult things and it can be heard in a way that can be where you both can be curious instead of furious. So that's awesome. I wanted to share these quotes from Melanie Joy that are really relevant to this topic. Um, both from her book, Beyond Beliefs, A Guide to Improving Relationships and Communications for Vegans, Vegetarians, and Meat Eaters. Um, one of the things she points to in her book is that veganism can act as a lightning rod for other problems that are already present in your relationship. And that can come up again and again. If we already were having power struggles or maybe one of us perceiving certain challenges in the relationship, veganism can just be a place where that plays out, you know? And so just being aware of that, that kind of being curious, what might be the underlying issues that we have going on that are playing out through the arguments around veganism. And she also adds that attending to our relationship doesn't mean we choose our relationship over our beliefs. It means we would create a relationship that has space for our beliefs. And the idea there is you know, by caring about our relationship with non-vegans, you know, because most of us have relationships with non-vegans in our lives, and by caring about that person and wanting a good quality of relationship, it doesn't mean that we're then suppressing our own beliefs. We still live our beliefs. It's just we learn to create space for the beliefs in the relationship. We learn to be assertive. We learn to be respectful of them and ourselves and find a way that we can coexist in our relationship. And, you know, for those of us that are hoping that this becomes a more compassionate, sustainable world, we're modeling that behavior so that, you know, more and more people will get on board with us through that role modeling, through living what we actually believe in and embodying it. And this also is based on Melanie Joy's 
work and she really highlights that the foundations for a healthy relationship are security and connection. And I mentioned those earlier. And just to give a little bit of a definition, security is the sense that we trust the other person has our best interests at heart and prioritizes our safety. And we feel seen, heard, and understood, valued, and nourished in that relationship. And these are especially important for our very close relationships. You know, we might have not have quite as much need for that in our acquaintanceships and, you know, maybe certain relationships where we're not as close. But for our real close relationships, these are essential. And often we take them for granted. And rather than, you know, really making it explicit, sometimes when, when there's a breakdown in communication and that fight or flight that I mentioned earlier is playing out and we or the other person are being defensive <clears throat> or just trying to prove a point and not listening, often at the heart of it is that one or both of us is not feeling secure or connected. And so that would be a time to slow things down, to breathe, to kind of check in, like, what's going on here? We seem to be falling into the same pattern that we sometimes do, and I don't want it to play out the way that it has in the past. Can we slow this down and try this differently? And maybe be curious together how we can communicate about this in a way that we both feel safe, connected, and heard. And at the core of that is a sense of integrity that we trust that we ourselves and the other person are going to act in alignment with our values and our morals and how we treat one another and how we live our life. It doesn't mean we're perfect, but that there's this general sense of trying to live in some degree of integrity. And so a few points, you know, that draw on what I've talked about already and just pull it together in terms of what are some ways that we can create healthier relationships and hopefully heal some of our conflicts. And so going back to connecting with what your deeper intentions are for the relationship and letting those be the guide for your communication and letting go of the parts that you can't control. You know, what do I have a say in? you know, here I have a say in how I act, how I feel, and, and asking for certain needs to be met, but I can't change them. So I let go of controlling their decisions and try to come together with how can we come to shared agreements that we can both be okay with. And speaking up respectfully about your needs and boundaries, holding things in tends to lead to resentment. So it is better to speak up, even though it's sometimes not easy. But if you tr think it's gonna be a difficult conversation, take that time out to connect with your intention and to think through how might I word this and say this in a way that's really aligned with that. Because then when that moment comes to speak up, it's gonna come out better than just um, being in reactive mode. Think in terms of requesting rather than demanding and discussing rather than debating. It's just kind of word changes that help you think about, okay, you know, people do better when I ask for permission or I request something if I discuss it, you know, those are just ways that um, help us to stay in a more helpful way of communicating. You try to find mutually agreeable solutions where possible or sometimes agreeing to disagree where needed. Um, continually being mindful of your own thoughts and feelings and reactions, you know, 
it's important to recognize when you've been triggered, you know, because again, that's when you're in your own version of fight or flight and you're probably not going to be mindful and communicate the best. So take that time out, you know, if needed, ask for a time out or just take some deep breaths till your emotions can kind of calm and you can be more reflective. Um, it's always important to come back to the I messages. Most of us are much more defensive if someone is saying, you do this, you do that, that just shuts us down. But if you're sharing what you feel, what you need, or what you experience through I messages, through what I feel, what I experience, um, people are more open to that generally. And finally, it's a lifelong journey to continue to learn and implement communication skills. You know, it's funny as I've known different people in my field, you know, I was amazed by how many therapists, you know, have had challenging relationships. You know, we supposedly know the skills and yet we ourselves can have challenges. So just kind of know this is a lifelong journey to, to continue to have you know, better communication skills, but also know it is so important if we want to create a vegan world or a world that's more compassionate, more sustainable, more kind to animals and all beings, we have to, you know, learn healthy ways of communicating, even though it's not always easy. So I want to bring you to, well, where can you continue your journey of learning healthy communication? You know, there's all kinds of presentations on the we did it health um, YouTube page that relate to communication for plant-based eaters and vegans. And there will continue to be more. Um, I've mentioned the books, Crucial Conversations and Beyond Beliefs. Um, also getting relationships right is not specific to vegans, but it's just about healthy relationships in general by Melanie Joy. Um, a book that I used to always recommend to my clients about really about healthy relationship dynamics and understanding um, patterns and relationships is called The Dance of Anger by Harriet Lerner. And she's written a series of books, The Dance of Anger, The Dance of Intimacy, and The Dance of Connection. And I think there's a couple others. Um, they're all really <clears throat> helpful for understanding how relationships work and the dynamics that can happen in our family systems. And also I mentioned the Center for Effective Vegan Advocacy has courses as well. So just to summarize, relationships are both the source of our greatest fulfillment and often can be the source of our greatest stress because they do mean so much to us. And in order to thrive as vegans, we need healthy relationships. And if we really wanna inspire others towards a healthier and more compassionate lifestyle, we need healthy relationships and healthy ways of communicating and just building hope that we can navigate conflicts and differing beliefs in ways that are respectful to ourselves and the other person. It is possible. And in order to do that, we have to realize that connection and safety are primary for any meaningful communication to happen. And last of all, we don't have to wait for the other person to change to create a healthy relationship. It often starts with ourselves. You know, that as we influence how we communicate with the other person, it impacts them as well. You know, when we're operating from our wise brain and using kind of healthy relational skills, the other person 
they're going to be less likely to be defensive and reactive and it may help them become curious and more open as well. So sending you best wishes on your relationship healing and know that we will continue to talk about this throughout this month. There will be some workshops that let us dive in more deeply. And also um, if you're in the, um, and Peter might talk more about this, in the Thrive and Inspire premium community, we also have weekly support groups, mastermind groups where vegans can talk about the challenges they're having in relationships and get support from other vegans on how to cope. So I will leave it at that and um, thank you. muted hello now i'm unmuted so <laughs> <laughs> um i was yes so um thank you so very much for this wonderful presentation and certainly uh do want to invite everybody to join our premium community to to become a certified ambassador to dive deeply into the skills that you're talking about um, and here and and more because that's that's really so important and such an important part of being able to open doors rather than push people away and uh, so with our certification program um, and the premium community that's what we're offering and we're looking to offer so very much more of it and I would like to also add that uh, this week and talk a little bit about it if you would Angela you, uh, this month you you will be uh, hosting a workshop with some of these skills uh, and and more in depth can you talk about that for a minute yeah sure um Myself, um, Marikita, and also Sally will each be doing a workshop, and I don't remember the exact dates of all of them, but they'll be, you know, posted. Um, mine has to do with actually starting with ourselves as the source of healing our relationships, if we don't actually be mindful of some of the things, you know, some of which I raised in this um, in this talk, but diving more deeply into how do we recognize our own triggers so we're better able to have healthier relationships. So that will be mine. I believe Marikita is speaking on the topic of taking responsibility as a way of healing our relationships. And Sally will be talking some about mindful communication. So hopefully all of those will help us dive in more deeply into how we do this. You know, what are the how to's and not just the conceptual ideas, so. Beautiful, thank you. And yes, yeah, so please join us uh, for our our Saturday conversations coming up uh, for the rest of this month, and and look for the workshops during the week that uh, that everybody is doing here. Um, with that, a couple things that that have come up in the comments. Uh, okay. Here's one from Lori. Uh, she says. One of my favorite quotes is, it takes two people to have a relationship, but only one person to change it. Yeah. And and that's beautiful, Lori. Thank you for mm -hmm. sharing that. And certainly um, two, two people to change it. I guess we, we all know how quickly and easily uh, one person can, can uh, sabotage and, and derail a relationship. Um, but you know what, uh, if you would, I, I mean, I guess the things that you've talked about would, are for preventing 
miscommunication, preventing, pushing people away. Uh, but uh, taking one person to then heal the relationship. So once once we have a situation where the relationship has gone sour, where we're not welcome at in in somebody's home anymore or, or they won't even talk with us what are some of the strategies of, of re reapproaching uh, those relationships yeah and that kind of relates to the question it looks like that marikita has posted which is what can we do when we have to see family who we don't want to see because we have fought with them over vegan issues in the past so maybe i'll start even with that question um yeah, that is really challenging. Um, and I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to that. I think we're each gonna have to find our own answer. But what I would say is first to think about, is this, are these family members that you wanna stay connected with? Um, you know, I've heard different leaders in relationships speak about how there's different levels of relationship. Um, we have one level of relationship of people that are like our soulmates, you know, people that really get us on a deep level and think similarly to us that care about change and creating a better world. So we have that group of people, but that might just be a minority that may not be most of our relationships. And then, you know, another level of relationship is, um, you know, people that we have some connection with, but maybe don't fully see eye to eye. And then there's this third category that can be maybe family of origin and relatives and people we have in our lives, maybe colleagues that we, we maybe don't see eye to eye with, but either we have to have them in our life for one reason or another, or we choose to because they're family or, you know, so sometimes when someone is not kind of on our wavelength about certain issues, but we've chosen that we want them in our life because you know we are family or there's some other connection we have with them. Sometimes we have to like make our own decision about how to approach that. You know, we may not be able to expect them to be like that close person that's on our wavelength. It just may not be possible, but we might still be able to have a workable, respectful relationship. We might decide certain things aren't part of the discussion um, when we're together because we know they're not going to be open to change. Um, we may say, you know, look, we've argued about this in the past and I'd really like to come to this gathering um, and I don't want to have an argument. Can we agree to keep this conversation, you know, not part of our getting together? Um, some people might be more open to deeper healing, but, you know, at a family gathering, that's not likely to be what's going to happen. That'd be more of a one-on-one -on -one kind of conversation. Um, so it is possible, but I think it's like, again, thinking through what are your intentions? What do you want for this person, for this relationship? And what are you willing to do to make a change? Because, you know, you might be the one that has to do a little bit more of the work if, if that's really what you want. Or you may just need to accept, hmm, I'm going to have a relationship with this person, but it's going to be a little more distant because they are not someone I feel safe with to go any deeper. So... So yeah, there's probably a different answer for each situation depending on what it is. That makes sense. So yes, it's it's all a different relationship and different situations and and different out desired outcomes. Um, 
Perhaps one of the places to start with is, is why is it important to have a better relationship? And maybe sometimes the answer is to just accept it where it is and, and not stress about it. And, yeah. uh, and sometimes the answer could be that this is a really important person for whatever reason in our lives and, and we really want to invest. And, and then, then the tricky part is how do we invest without necessarily pushing them further away or making things even worse or, or stressing too much for ourselves. So do, do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, for one, one thing, you know, that I've kind of been learning and trying to study about relationships, especially as they relate for vegans is our families are often the place, where vegan advocacy is least effective. And so we may have to set aside that kind of goal when we're dealing with family of origin and relatives. It's not to say that some people have had an amazing impact and got their whole family to go plant-based. And that's great when that happens, but I don't think that's the norm because with our families of origin and our relatives, there's often these like old dynamics that are playing out that may even go back to earlier generations. So. To think like, oh, I'm going to convince my whole family they should go vegan or plant-based, um, that may not happen. And so you may need to set aside that agenda with people, again, who are not, you know, we talked about the stages of change before. If they're like not in contemplation or, you know, ready to change, it's sort of like letting that go as your goal and just be more like, how can we be together respectfully if we want to continue a relationship? And, you know... Again, you may still be that role model that may someday, they may surprise you someday. Um, but for right now, it's just sort of accepting the relationship for what it is and what that person's capable of. Often when we do that, it actually does change in ways that surprise us um, when we quit trying to change someone into being what we think they should be. So. Yeah, that, yeah. that would help us show up being less pushy. Yeah, yeah. So I know. And the reality is none of us do well with pushiness, you know? I mean, just think of any time someone's been pushy with you, even if it was a great thing that they were trying to advocate for, if they're pushy, our resistance is up. We want to make decisions because they came from our own heart, not because someone told us we should do it. So, you know, if you're wanting to, if part of your goal is to help someone consider veganism, you're better off finding ways to help it come from their own motivation rather than because you told them so. So... But again, with some people, we have to kind of step back from that. As much as we want to change the world, sometimes doing that is not by pushing for it, but actually just having respectful relationships, treating people the way we want to be treated, um, and trusting that there's a process of change, you know, that happens in its own way. So, yeah, I'm reading Nancy's. Um, remarks, these tools can be applied in so many areas. Nowadays, um, the vaccine topic is a hot topic as well as political views. Yes, those are true. And I have more opposition in those areas even than veganism. And that's, that's very true. So how do we, in a very polarized, divided world, you know, how do we keep relationships? And I certainly have that in my kind of extended family of people with different political views and, and you know, how do we share family meals together you know, in the face of these differences. Yeah. Well, right. So it does apply in so many ways. So a healthy, happy, vegan 
well-fed vegan world is is a, a pretty broad topic. It's it is something that's applicable in so many ways to to actually be mindful and conscious and and caring in this world. Yeah, um, I'm looking at Marikita. What if they say I never want to talk about that again? I'm assuming you mean veganism. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I don't know the whole situation. And obviously, you know, sometimes these would these are great questions, too, if you ever are in our Thrive Inspire community and come to our support group, because I, I imagine each person in the group would have a wonderful answer to that. But I would just say, you know, if someone really says that, we may have to respect that for now. And, and never doesn't always mean never, you know. It might just be like they don't want to hear about veganism and it might be you have to decide you know I'm, I'm wondering in what context that was coming up was i trying to push the other person to become vegan or was i just sharing about my own passion and how important this is in my life um if i was trying to push them to become vegan and tell them why they should well they have every right to say you know i don't really want you to push me anymore you know and you might really back off from that. Um, if it was like, I don't want to hear about your veganism. Again, it depends on your relationship. Um, you know, someone close to you. Okay, I'll come. I'll, I'll continue my train of thought and then I'll go to Marikita's next message. But, um, you know, if, if it's about your own vegan journey and how much it matters to you and they're a close person in your life, you might say, well, it'd be really hard when this is so much a part of my life to never discuss it. But I, I can step back from trying to tell you the reasons you should be vegan, but I need to be able to share my own journey with you in order to be close to you. You know, like I have to be able to, this is important to me and I, I can't not talk about it at all. So it's like finding these healthy boundaries that are respectful of both of you. Um, if someone's heard you tell the benefits of veganism over and over again and they don't want to hear it, <laughs> then I guess maybe talk to someone that actually wants to hear the benefits. Cause yeah, like um, they may just start to feel like you're just trying to beat them over the head with it and resist, even, even though there are so many benefits, you know, and you wish they'd hear it, but maybe they won't hear it from you. Maybe they'll hear it from somebody else eventually. Cause I, I think that comes into these dynamics that can happen in relationships where someone feels you're trying to control them. Even if you're not, you know, you're just sharing something you think would help them. Um, as um, one of the authors in the vegan community, Colleen Patrick Gaudreau says, is if just being the vegan in the room, you know, can be enough to make people defensive. So Lori says another possible response is, I hear you and we don't need to talk about veganism, but can you at least tell me why you need this boundary? I like that. Yeah. Because you're validating the other person's point of view and honoring it, but kind of getting more clear on what, what their concerns are, what they're feeling. You're trying to understand where they're coming from. I really like that. Great response. Well, I, I'm sorry to say that we're, we're at the end of our hour here and this is such a wonderful conversation. And, and I feel like it's just the beginning of, of these conversations. And I am so honored and so touched because this is really what I was hoping as founder of We Did It, I was hoping we can start getting to. And, you know, personally, from my experience, I have pushed enough people away and and I am 
being mindful of these relationships. And, and the good news is, is that I'm starting to see the healing, starting to see the closeness. It's, it's so hard for me to look at somebody I really care about who's suffering and, and, and also causing all the animal suffering and injustice. And, and it's so hard for me to watch this. And it's been so hard for me to back off, but that, that is what's working. And, and all these, uh, all this knowledge, all these conversations are certainly uh, fruitful for me, and I'm sure they would be for everybody else too. So thank you so much, uh, Angela, for being part of the Samarakita and uh, everybody watching. And I'm so excited for, for the possibilities, for the opportunities. I think if we keep having these conversations and, and keep making commitments to, to have more mindful conversations and, and looking for those cracks where we can plant the seeds and, and share the information and do it with kindness and with love and keep, keep learning how to do that. I think that's an important part of of what we ultimately want, and that is to to move the needle and and see more people being healthier and and animals thriving and and uh, you know all the atrocities against animals uh, stop. And so, and certainly all the stuff. And I don't need to get into this. Everybody knows that all the stuff about the planet and and world hunger and everything else. But you know, I am so thrilled to to be having these conversations and. Please join us. Join us on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, get uh, go through the certification. Join us in, in these more intimate conversations in the private groups that that we're forming and and doing, and so that together we really can make a difference. And not just the difference in the world, but a difference for ourselves, and be able to feel better about our lives, and be able to get a little more success in in how we're impacting the people we care about. So with that, uh, I'm complete. Angela, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, no, I think we've covered it. Perfect. Well, look forward to next time. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, so long and see you see you on Facebook and, and YouTube and see you next, uh, next week, next Saturday, where our guest will be Ruben Guzman, uh, a, a leadership coach to the uh, to the stars and uh, to corporate leaders and athletes and and his topic will be taking leadership in healing relationships. So he's going to bring a very important perspective uh, to this conversation. So please join us and please uh, spread the word and and have people you care about who who would be interested in and being part of that conversation next Saturday. And, and, and we continue this every Saturday with Marquita and Sally and, and so many other wonderful people. And just, just a little bit of insight next month, February, it's, it's Valentine's day month. So it's going to be all about loving animals. Um, and then in March, we'll look at the importance of communities. April with earth day, we're going to look at, at the importance of, of, the the impact of being plant based on on the environment and the planet so please join us and and thank you all so very much uh namaste vegan mm -hmm. and bye bye mm -hmm.